You know, we've been doing a series here on overflow. We started a couple weeks ago, and we talked about how God wants to overflow His people uh, in many different ways. And we talked already about He wants to overflow you with uh, prosperity and provision. Last week, Pastor Brendan shared on how He wants to overflow us with His love. And did an amazing job for his first weekend preaching. We decided we'll get him again. Uh, but today we're going to continue on the overflow series. And we're going to be specifically talking about how God wants to overflow us with peace. And uh, this is important for the day and time we live in. But as Christians, we should be overflowing with the good stuff. Okay? I said this last night. Make sure... You're overflowing with the good stuff. Look at somebody and say that. Overflow with the good stuff. Because, you know, it's easy to overflow with grouchiness and, you know, words that are sharp. But no, no, no. Let's do the good stuff. All right. So God overflows us with peace. Psalm 37 and verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Abundance means more than enough or overflow. You see, God doesn't give you just barely enough or not enough. He gives you more than enough. And of course, there's reasons for that. Why does God overflow his people? Well, he overflows us because it's who he is to start with. And we're going to look at some reasons why he overflows us, what we're supposed to do with it. God overflows us with peace because it's who he is. Brendan shared about love, and of course, we know that there's a scripture that actually says God is love. So if we're in his presence, we're going to overflow with love, but what about peace? Well, as Isaiah 9 verse 6 says this, it says, a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Woo! Look at that again. This is prophetic, talking about when Jesus will come. Now, obviously, Jesus is God in the flesh because he's called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. In other words, what they're saying when they say the Prince of Peace, he is as high as you can get of peace. He's the ruler of peace. When you're looking to talk to somebody who's in charge, you, you know, you talk to the supervisor, and if that doesn't work, you talk to the manager of the supervisor, and if that doesn't work, you talk to the boss. In that sense, if you were going to get to the top level, you'd talk to the prince of Walmart. And never mind. Okay. <laughs> we're talking about the prince of peace. Okay, so Jesus is the Prince of Peace. All peace comes from Him. It's who He is. Maybe you remember a story from Scripture. Uh, and it was a story about Jesus and His followers getting into a boat. And Jesus tells His disciples, Hey guys, we're going to get in the boat. We're going over to the other side because we need to do some ministry over there. So they get in the boat, and it's a little bit later. Jesus is tired, and he falls asleep in the boat. And so he's sleeping soundly in the boat with his head on a pillow. But it didn't stay like that because a storm came up. 
And the storm came up and suddenly there was wind. Water began to come into the boat and it started to fill the boat and the disciples became afraid that we're about to sink and we're all going to die. And finally they woke up Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? We're all about to die. And Jesus wakes up out of a sleep. And this story is in, I think, all the Gospels except one. And all of them, he wakes up and it says he rebukes the wind and waves. And Mark's Gospel specifically says what he said to the wind and waves. He got up. He looked at the wind and waves, the storm coming into the boat. It was chaos with the disciples fearful and shouting. And he says, peace be still. And the wind stopped. The waves stopped. The disciples stopped. Because they were pretty worked up. But it didn't end there, you see, because then Jesus looked over at the disciples and he said, what happened? Why were you so afraid? Where is your faith? You see, when we lose all our peace, it's a sign that we are becoming afraid and no longer trusting Him. And friends, when you lose your peace, He wants you to get it back. And oh, a desperate, crying, panicked prayer, He will answer. He's so good. He will answer that panic and that fear and that cry to him. But he's also, after he's answered it, going to look at you and say, Hey, my child, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? What did he mean by that? Think about if it was you in that boat. I'd be like, well, you were asleep. They had been with him for quite a while by this time. He'd been teaching them. They knew who he was. He had said, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Not get in the boat. Let's go drown in the lake. That's what he meant about where's your faith. Didn't I say we're going to the other side? So we're going to the other side, whether we have a lot of water in the boat or not. You see, faith allows us to be at peace no matter what's happening around us. Because peace comes from him, not our circumstance. You can be at peace in the craziest times when you know the prince of peace. You see, God overflows us with peace for a number of reasons. And I found an interesting couple of scriptures that show that God fills us with peace for other people. And specifically, he talks about filling us with peace for other nations. I'll read the scripture to you. Ephesians 2, 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people group, from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now this is not something 
you always hear about, but very clearly he's saying one of the reasons he died on that cross was to break down hostility between people groups. Think about that. You see, Christians, we must have peace with others. We must have peace with other races. Maybe you grew up and there was a bit of racism in you know, the way you were taught or racism came toward you. But God says we're to have peace with all nations. Because there is only one race. It's called the human race. Every person he has created individually. All right? And we should care about them and treat them with the respect that we would treat for anybody that God's created. So, let's love each other. Okay, Galatians 3.28 echoes the same thing as what we've just read. It says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You and I are all one in Christ Jesus now. You see, God overflows us with peace so that it can overflow out of us to others. Matthew 5 verse 9 is a well-known verse and it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they should be, shall be called the children of God. You and I are supposed to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. That means we make peace on purpose. Think about that. Peace doesn't just happen. Peace is a choice. You and I are called to make peace on purpose. When you want to get mad at somebody, choose not to. When you want to tell somebody something that choose not to, make peace instead. Romans 10 and 15. It says, How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You see, the very gospel that we preach is the gospel of peace. It's not a gospel of war. It's not a gospel of crushing, attacking, breaking, you name it. It's the gospel of peace. When you bring the good news of Jesus to people that have never heard, you're bringing them good news about forgiveness, about healing, and about peace. Because we live in a world where people are not feeling too peaceful. Many people are living in fear. You know, I told you the story about in the boat, the opposite of peace was fear, wasn't it? That's why Jesus said, hey, peace be still. In our world today, many people are walking in fear, confusion, frustration, and anger. And God says he wants us to walk in peace. There's war happening around the world and people are feeling their peace being robbed from them as they watch the news and dwell on things that steal your peace. But God has said we should have peace, and the words that we speak should be good news of peace. You see, I could choose to tell you all kinds of things that would get you worked up. 
I could choose to research or go online and find things where people were nasty and racist, where people were murdered, where they're... I could do that, and you would leave here today feeling horribly angry, frustrated, and not a bit of peace. But I've been called to preach the good news, the gospel of peace. And I believe when you leave church, you should feel refreshed, you should feel joyful, you should feel peace in your spirit. Ephesians 6 verse 15, it says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we need to prepare ourselves to deliver peace where we go. When you walk into a room, when you go places, you should bring peace with you. When people see you coming, they shouldn't try to hide around the corner because you're so rough with your words. When people see you enter the store, they should be happy because they know there's a priest person who brings peace. There's a person who brings a smile. The waitress and waitresses shouldn't be like, oh no, they're here again. They should be like, oh, it's them. Or if it's a guy, oh, it's them. Uh, all right, anyhow. Okay, so peace is something we should overflow in to others. Where we go, peace should follow because we are called to preach the gospel of peace. Now, as you're going to see in all of these messages on overflow, God's word shows us that we play a part in him overflowing us. And today it's no different because we definitely play a part in God overflowing us with peace. Look at Proverbs 16 and verse 7. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So, right from the beginning, God is saying, I'm going to make even your enemies to be at peace with you, but it is conditional on when your ways please him. In other words, when you're doing the things that God has asked you to do, it's going to cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. That's a good thing. And, of course, God's Word is full of things that we should do, right? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Turn the other cheek. If you see someone in need, meet the need. There's all these things that He's called us to do. They bring peace. You want to bring peace to an enemy? Then do good to that enemy. And they'll no longer be your enemy. Because that's how God is. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 12. So these are ways that we can live and bring peace overflowing us. Our actions play a part. It says, brothers and sisters, we ask you to respect those who are working with you, leading you and instructing you. Think of them highly with love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are disorderly. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and everyone else. So he begins to talk to them about how they can live in peace. These are all ways in which things we can do to live in peace. And he talks about respecting those who are leading or instructing you. Think of them highly with love and live in peace with each other. So I got to look at this one because all of us work somewhere. We have jobs. We have 
places that we have authorities over us. God says if you want to live in peace, then you need to think of them highly, you need to love them, you need to respect them. You need to respect your boss, your supervisor, if you want peace at your workplace. I don't know, maybe you're thinking, wow, yeah, but you don't know my boss. They're so rough, they're so horrible. It doesn't really have a condition about how good or bad they are. It's just respect them. You know, uh, before I was pastoring, I was in evangelism, and I worked as well. I worked as a carpenter, but even before that, I worked in some different areas. And I worked for a boss once, and, and I was working for this guy, and I hadn't been there very long, and I was working really hard because I grew up, I was taught you work hard, and I was working on the scoop shovel because that's where he started, and uh, getting that done, and somebody had said over the radio they needed me in another location because there was a, a jam up of all the bark and stuff, so I was like, okay, I'll go up there. And I looked and I saw, you know, if I just cut through there, I'll get there really quick. So I did. I got up there and then the next thing, the boss is on the radio and he is not happy with me. He's on the radio, the radio that everybody in the whole operation can hear. And he's upset at me and he's calling me to the office. And I'm like, what did I do? Does this guy not like me? Like, I'm working hard, I got this done. He calls me down to the office, and he was a little rough around the edges. You know, when he's talking to you, there's probably a swear word once or twice, and he's, did, how did you get there so fast? Did you go through such and such place? Is that how you got there? I was like, yeah, I thought, you know, it would be quicker. And he looked at me, and he was angry, and I'm like, man, this boss. But I had learned, we were raised, you respect leadership. I didn't give him attitude. I didn't tell him I knew better than him. It was quicker. It was quicker. But apparently it was stupider. Because he said, you don't go through that way for a reason. He said, when this mill is operating on a regular basis, full-size trees fall down in that area. And if one of those hit you, you'd be dead. And I thought, yeah, he's right. But because I respected him and didn't give him guff, I didn't get fired. I got to keep working there. And I didn't have a tree fall on my head and kill me. We can respect leadership and authority over us, whether they're Christians or whether they're perfect. When we do, God brings peace to our situation. He really does. Now... I do understand that there are times and situations where God moves you from a place where you're working because it's not healthy for you. That can happen. But you still have an attitude of respect. You still have an attitude that brings peace. And when you do that, God will always bring you favor. He will end up always putting you in the best possible place and position because he's good. All right? I'm going to say this. If you always, how can I put this? You always work in places where there's no peace ever. Always. There's a good chance you're a part of that not having peace. I'm just going to give that to you right now, okay? That probably means that you're, 
you have a problem with authority over you, you don't show them respect because it's not possible that everywhere you work should not have peace. As a matter of fact, because of who you are and who's in you, you can bring peace to workplaces that don't have it. You can pray for peace in those places that haven't had it in the past and it will come because of you. You can pray and ask God to work on the rough people and people who seem to be not doing it well and God will change them. But peace should come where you are. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So he clearly shows us some things we can do to make sure that we have peace. And of course, the first thing is take it to him in prayer. Go to God, pray, and ask him to look after what needs looking after. And he will give you peace that passes all understanding. And then he makes some really basic, practical things you can do. He says, think on the things that bring peace. If you meditate on all the problems in the world, you are going to not have peace. Do you hear me? Do you know that sometimes people struggle and they feel like everything is caving in and collapsing and the person beside them thinks it's great. What's the difference? It's what they're dwelling on in their minds continually. Guaranteed. This person is dwelling on everything that's wrong. You know, I, I don't like my hair, I, I don't like my nose, or, you know, whatever. I, I just heard about this that happened, and my auntie doesn't like me, and my uncle the other day, like two years ago, talked about me, and, and then they start going back three years, four years, five years, and they go over and over until the world is a horrible place. And the other person in the exact same situation is like, man, this is good. That puffed wheat cereal was awesome this morning. Like, whatever, that's just, who cares about yesterday and two years ago and what so-and-so said? This is a good morning. The cereal's good. My wife is smiling. The kids are happy. Totally different, and peace comes from what you're dwelling on. So dwell on and think on and meditate, it says, on those things. It, it says things that are good. That's why I put puff wheat cereal, because I think it's good. It's not a scriptural, you know, it's not scripturally sound probably. But anyhow, okay, let's keep moving. So peace that passes understanding, what does that mean? That means you can have peace when it makes no sense. The circumstances, the surroundings are absolutely crazy, but you're just sitting with peace. And I can remember this happening, well, it's probably happened to us a few times. But I remember one time very clearly where God gave me peace that made no sense. 
And uh, this was a number of years ago. And my wife and I were, went up to a tent meeting, I believe it was in Kadat. So a couple hours away from here, up north. We went to a tent meeting and my late brother and his wife also went up to the tent meeting and we did music up there. I used to do a lot of music back in the day. And we were doing music up there and it was an awesome tent meeting. And then my late brother and his wife left ahead of us. And then my wife and I, we took off and followed. And if anybody knows, tent meetings aren't like a one-hour event. Who's been to tent meeting before? Yeah. They start at 7.30, they say, but it's usually about 8.30 when they really get rolling. I was telling them on Saturday night, we're going to be done. That's when the tent meeting starts, you know. And they go quite late to midnight or later, but it was around somewhere between two and three we were driving home. It was really dark and uh, there was a little bit of rain, so it was clouded over. And as we're driving, we are coming down the highway and we see, it looks like a truck with his lights kind of pointing, looks like it's parked in the ditch with his lights up. And I was thinking, that's a little odd. And we started to slow down and as we slowed down, we realized it was my brother's truck and it had obviously rolled a number of times, but was back on its wheels with the headlights up. And so we quickly stopped, pulled over, turned, and <clears throat> pulled up beside, and I jumped out. But I remember when I looked back on it, the entire time feeling this peace that made no sense. Totally feeling like everything is okay and peace is here. And I remember as we jumped out to go see, to make sure, are they going to be okay? The truck was in bad shape, and when we got close to the truck, we saw uh, my sister-in-law was sitting on the ground, and obviously hurt, and she was on her phone, she had called 911, and they were on the way. My wife was with me there, and I think my wife, I think you took a phone and called your mom, right? Your mom and dad? Because she felt that was more important to have someone to pray than have 911. She's right. 911 was coming. But as we were there, I felt this peace completely. But I asked my sister in law, you know, where's Dave? And she said, I don't know. And I thought, okay, this is going to be difficult, but we got to look in the truck. We got to find him. But I remember feeling a peace the entire time, a peace that made no sense. I didn't feel panic, I didn't feel fear, and we looked, we couldn't find him in the vehicle. I thought, what if he's under the vehicle? We couldn't find him under the vehicle. It was dark and it was difficult to see. We found a light that we could plug into the cigarette lighter and shine it, and we finally found him, and he was a long ways away from the vehicle, and he was laying there in the ditch. And I went over to him. And I got to talk with him and pray with him and hold him there in the ditch. He was trying to get up and I told him, no, it's okay, don't get up. He was pretty hurt. And I remember just getting to just hold him there and, and tell him, everything's okay, it's going to be okay, and prayed with him. The ambulance finally came and they loaded him up, took him, and we followed to the hospital. And the whole time I felt a peace. The whole time we just took it to the Lord, we were just praying and there was this peace that didn't make sense. When we got to the hospital, he was in the ER and they weren't letting anybody in. And I kind of peeked through the door because you could see through the door and 
they were using the paddles on him. And eventually they quit. When I tell the story now, I feel like I'm going to break down crying, but at that moment, there was just peace the entire time. He didn't make it. He passed away. I'm going to end the story there, but I can tell you this. God can give you peace that makes no sense. Your circumstance does not determine your peace. What's happening around you does not determine what happens inside you. Because peace is internal. You call on God and you say, let my peace be strong. You see, the enemy would love for you to become fearful, worked up and start to do things that are, you would never do. He wants to see you uh, cause issues and problems and hurt other people if he can. But if you remain in peace, he loses and you win every single time. Let him fill you with peace that passes understanding. You see, our actions can make all the difference. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says this. It says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pour out folly. Our words can bring peace or anger. Your words play such a huge role in the peace that surrounds you and is in in you. The peace in your home, your words can help build it or cause it to fall apart in an instant. Okay? Remember I said we're peacemakers. Choose your words well and make peace. I said this last night. Husbands and wives... You're called to make peace in your home. So if your spouse is getting worked up at you, just look at them and say, no, sorry, I'm a peacemaker. No, I don't think that'll work. But anyhow, be a peacemaker. Find ways to create peace with your words. God overflows us with peace because he has such great love for his people. Jeremiah 33, verse 6. Nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns. I will cleanse them of their sins against me and forgive all their sins of rebellion. Then this city will bring me joy, glory, and honor before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see all the good I do for my people and they will tremble with awe at the peace and prosperity I provide for them. Ooh, that's a good God. That's a God who loves you so much. He's saying, I'm going to so bless you with peace and prosperity that other nations are going to look at you. They're going to tremble with awe at how amazing your peace is and your prosperity. Did you know that the world is watching you when you're a Christian? Your neighbors are taking note. You can't be yelling at each other till it rattles the windows and then walk out for church with big smiles. Oh, we're, we're just, everything's good. Your peace, God wants it to flow because the world's watching. And he says, I'm going to give you a peace that they're going to be in awe. Christian, when you can walk in peace and love in a time when people are panicked and scared and freaked out, 
the world takes notice. And people will ask you about your peace. John 14, 27. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Once again, we see there the opposite of peace, of being afraid or fear. You see, a heart that's in turmoil is not at peace. A mind that's experiencing fear, anger, frustration is not a mind at peace. God wants you to be at peace, and he says, I'm going to give you my peace. God so loved people that he made a way for us to live in peace. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Isaiah 53, verse 5, look at this verse, talking about the price that Christ would would pay for us. It says, He was pierced for our transgressions. We know that. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Christians. That chastisement they're talking about was when Jesus was whipped. He was whipped with a whip that had many strands and had bone and metal in it that ripped him to pieces. And he did it so that you and I could have peace. He did his blood shed so that our sin could be forgiven. I'm going to make a statement here that you might not like, but just as we should not walk in sin, we should also not walk without peace if he already paid for it and suffered for it. If you're having no peace, you bring it to him. Because I feel that it is just as unsettling and wrong as to be living in sin. Living with no peace is not okay. No, living without peace is not okay. I'm going to correct that. You're like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) Okay, tell somebody living with peace is okay. There we go. (laughs) We will live with peace because he paid the price for it already. When the enemy tries to steal your peace, take some time and pray and ask God to fill you with it because he's that good.